I'd encourage you to open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6 is where we're going to be at. 2 Kings chapter 6. As you're opening there, I'll just share with you, there are no McDonald's in the country of Albania. Not one McDonald's. But that's all right. They've got good food. I didn't have anything there I didn't like. And I tried everything I could. So it's very good. But I, I enjoy pretty much anything. 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6. I encourage you to go to verse 24. That's where we're going to start off at. 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 24. You could stand as we read these first two verses here. 2 Kings chapter 6. We'll read verses 24 and 25. God's word said, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for loving us and for sending your son to die on the cross in our place. God, we are so thankful. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to be in church. We're thankful that we can worship you openly. God, we don't take that for granted. Lord, I pray as we study your word this evening, Lord, I pray that your word would work on our hearts. Help us to to learn and to put into practice what we've learned during the week. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So you might think, man, that's that's an odd place to start out at. That's an interesting part. Well, I just wanted to give a backdrop of what's happening in chapter 7. We're going to be in chapter 7 most of the time, but here in verse 24 and 25, it shows us what is taking place in Samaria. So Israel's been split up into two kingdoms. You've got the northern kingdom and you've got the southern kingdom. And here in the northern kingdom, the capital is Samaria. And their enemies, which was Syria, decided, the king there decided that he was going to take Samaria once and for all. And what he did is he gathered his entire host, the Bible says, all his hosts, gathered them all up, and he went up and besieged Samaria. So the king of Syria, which has been hated at the time, he decided, I will take Samaria. And the way he decided to do it was to surround the city and to starve them out. And we get a glimpse of what's happening in the city here in verse 25. Starts sharing that, that they're, the people are starving and, and that they're really, they're eating things that normally they would never want to eat. You see, and, and I know in different places people eat different things, and but it wasn't normal for the Israelites to eat uh, donkey's heads. That's not something they enjoyed. I had a friend who was over in Iraq, and as he was over there, one of his jobs was he's going to these smaller villages where the and he would sit down with the chieftain, and he would sit down there through a translator and, and try to create a good relationship with the American army and 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 that tribe. And he said, I remember one of the times, one of the first times, he said I was sitting down and talking and. So they started bringing in food after a while. Started bringing in a tent and sitting down this food. And he said, they put this big old pot in front of me. He says, I turned around and, and, and looked at that thing. And there was a goat's head looking right back up at me. He thought, oh, no. He says, I hadn't even thought, oh, no, when my interpreter said, you've got to try some of this. They prepared this just for you. He said, you have to try this. This is a delicacy to them. And if you don't eat it, they're going to be so offended. And no, you have to try some. He thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to try some of that. And he said, it's not too bad if you don't look at it. It's not looking at you. It's pretty good. And he said, you know, it's not 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 so bad. In Brazil, uh, if you've ever had, Brazil has the best barbecue. It's amazing. If you want real amazing meat, it's Brazil. It's Brazilian meat. You got you got to try some. But anyways, uh, we we had in Brazil when you do that, one of the things they like to serve as well is chicken hearts. 
All right, and it's not traditional if they don't have chicken hearts. You have to try some, and they're really good. You need to try some of those barbecue chicken hearts. They're not so bad, you know, if they're not too hard and chewy, they're, they're pretty good and uh, enjoyable. That's something my brother and I would used to eat, and we'd see who could eat the most of, and it's something that we enjoyed back then. But you see, not everyone enjoys that. The Israelites, this is not something they enjoyed. This isn't something they sought after. This is a last resort. They didn't want this. They didn't desire this. But but you see, it, it's gotten so bad that they're eating donkey's heads. That it's it's a horrible situation, and they're paying good money for it. Four four score. That's eighty pieces of silver. Eighty pieces of silver just to live a little bit longer, just for one more meal. You see, I can't help but to see the comparison. See, Jesus was he was betrayed for thirty pieces of silver. Joseph he was sold into slavery for twenty pieces of silver. This is eighty pieces of silver, and you see how much they wanted just to live a little bit more. Then you see you go on in the passage, and you can read the rest of the verses here, but just to tell you what's happening, the king, uh, finally he he uh, he sees the, how bad the situation it gets, and it really gets to the situation so bad that the people turn to cannibalism. One one lady tells another lady, says, hey, well, let's eat your son today, and, and then tomorrow we'll, we'll eat my son. It's a horrible situation. It's, it's really disgusting part of the history of Israel. But I believe what we can see here is that Sin will make us do things we never thought we were capable of doing. Sin will take you places you never would said you would have gone. No, I'll never go there. If you do not deal with sin, you will. It'll make you say things you said you'd never say. See, sin, it corrupts you. Sin needs to be dealt with quickly in your life. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if sin gets into your life, you need to deal with it quickly. You need to repent of it. Don't let it take you down paths. You never thought you would be able to go down. Deal with it quickly. Israel is being punished because of their sin. They've turned to other gods and God is dealing with them. But even through all of that, God is still loving. He is still merciful. He is long-suffering. And we see in chapter 7 that he's still going to deliver his people. Because our God is a loving God and a God of second chances. We get in chapter 7, we hear Elisha here. There's a, there's a bunch of men in this room and Elisha the king and several other guys and here we have God, and we have him giving his declaration in verse 1. It says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And when someone repeats themselves in Scripture, we need to pay attention. See, Elisha was calling attention here that it's not what he is about to say, but it's what God's about to say. See, he's calling attention. People, this is not what I'm saying. This is what God's saying. See, the way he says it, he says, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. He repeats himself because he wants them to catch attention. This is God's word. And you see, every time we open up this Bible, we are reading God's word. We need to give it the attention that it deserves, the respect that it deserves. And as we get into the rest of the verse, it says, Tomorrow, God speaking, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. And we can go into details of how much everything cost and, and, and what this says and that was. But pretty much what Elisha was telling the people, what God was telling the people, that in a 24-hour period, prices were going to go back to normal. There's going to be so much food that prices were going to go back to normal. What they were paying before, that's what it's going to be. They won't be paying uh, silver and stuff. No, they're going to be paying shekels. They weren't going to be paying all this money for, for flour and for barley. In 24 hours, prices are going to be back to normal. Now, I would love for our prices to go back to normal. That would be wonderful. I remember the first time 
2019, we moved back here to the States, and I remember filling up our car for the first time. We filled that car up for $16. I thought, man, that's awesome. Now, I haven't done that since then. Uh, it's just gone up since then. So I, I, would, I would love for it to go back to that. Prices of, of food and, and groceries and all that. Man, I would love for it to go back what it was in 2019. I would love for that to happen. But none of us expect it to happen in a 24-hour period. No, because no, it had, we had to put a plan into place. We got to follow this plan, and maybe over time we can get it back to what it was before. See, that's exactly what God is saying. He's calling attention that it's impossible, and that's why God's the one who's going to do it. See, he's saying it's not going to be someone else. It's not going to be, you, no one else is going to get the glory for this. God's saying, I'm going to take care of it, and I'm going to take care of it my way, and you're going to see my powerful hand at work in your life. One of the things we need to remember is that if God promises something, he always does it. Always. And then we get into verse 2 and we have the disbelief. It says, Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? You see the sarcasm in this man's voice. See, this man, he didn't believe in God's word. He didn't believe God because it was very specifically God speaking. Elisha made that clear. He didn't believe that God could deliver them. He didn't believe it. In fact, he says, man, if, 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 if there were windows in heaven, might this thing be? He, he, didn't, he didn't believe that was going to happen. He didn't believe that, that God would make windows in heaven. That's not what he was... But if he had understood his past of his country, he would know that that's exactly what God had done in the past. See, he made windows in heaven and every... Every day, manna would come. Every single day. God had done it in the past. And you see what a, times, a lot of times we don't realize is we don't realize God has already done it. God has done so many things and, and we, don't, we, don't, we don't expect God to do those things anymore. God doesn't change. It's a dangerous thing not to believe in God's word. It's a dangerous thing not to believe in his promises. And this man didn't believe. This belief is a dangerous thing. You see, it's because of disbelief that the people did not get into the land of Canaan. It's because of disbelief that they wandered for 40 years in the desert, dying one by one until finally that whole generation died. Right. Hebrews chapter 3 tells us, it, it says they entered not in because of their disbelief. They entered not in because they didn't believe in God's word. Be careful to not be the generation of disbelief. Don't be the generation of disbelief. Don't be the generation that God has to kill off to finally do something. Be the generation that believes in God's promises. Be the generation that came after that, that took the land of the promised land, that entered in because they trusted in God. They believed in his promises. God can do great things if we just believe in his promises. God will do great things if we just believe in his promises. This man did not. He was a disbelief. And what was God's answer to him? And Elisha said, and he said, behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. You're going to see it but you're not going to taste it. One of the worst things is to see a great meal and not be able to eat it, right? I had, uh, I had my tonsils taken out when I was in Brazil. I was like 13 years old. And I remember I, I had that out, couldn't eat anything. I had to eat like ice cream and jello. And you think that's great, but try that for a few days. You're going to get, you're going to get hungry. And I remember just, just watching my mom. She made some uh, shepherd's pie and, and they were eating. And I was just thinking, this smells so good. And I can't eat it. It was awful. This man's going to see, but he's not going to taste. He's going to see God's deliverance, which is food, but he's not going to taste it. There's danger 
and not believing. There's judgment in not believing in God's word. Then we get into verse 3, and we're going to see God's deliverance all the way through verse 9. In verse 3, we meet the four leprous men. It says, and there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is there. If we say we'll enter into the city, then we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now, therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Don't you love the sincerity in their voices? They're, they're just so sincere one with another, right? They, they realize what's happening. They know where they're at. First of all, the lepers, and that's a really bad situation itself. Leprosy is a great picture of sin, right? No cure. You couldn't take care of it, right? That's the same as sin. We can't deal with it. We can't deal with it. None, none, not money, not power, not, not position. None of those things can take care of sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's a great picture there. But then, but then the sincerity, see there, they're sitting outside the city. They already have a problem. And then they start saying, hey, if we're going to stay here, we're going to die. They came to that realization. We stay here, we will die. We go into the city. Everyone's dying in there anyways. We're going to die there as well. Let's take option Three, let's take the third option. Let's go to the Syrians. Hey, if they keep us alive, that's great. And if they kill us, we're going to die anyways. So they take option three in verse five, and it says, and they rose up in the twilight, specific time period right there, to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Can you imagine the surprise on their faces? Can you imagine the surprise on the faces of these four leprous men? Where just the night before, as they were going to bed, as they were bunking down, they could look out and they could see the campfires going. They could see the armies out there. They could see what was going on and they saw all that happening. But when they got to that camp, not one of those people were there. Not a single person. It was, it was, they were completely gone. It was a ghost town. Everyone was gone. Not a single person. And why was there not a single person? Well, the next three words explains it. Four the Lord. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they rose and fled when? In the twilight. That same time period where they got up and started going to that camp is when they were hearing things and left their tents and their horses, and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. See, what happened was, it's an amazing thing. I, I love how God works, because God works in so many different ways. See, God could have made the Syrians, uh, could have opened up a hole and just swallowed them whole. God could have sent fire down from heaven and burned them up. God could have sent a pestilence through them and killed them all off. See, God could have done all these different things, but God said, no, no, I have a reason in what I'm doing. I'm going to make them hear something. I'm going to make them hear so much that they're going to think that somehow they got out and they hired a bunch of other armies to have come against us. And they were so scared. They heard so much and they were so scared. This is, these are seasoned warriors. This is a huge army. The Bible says all the hosts of Syria. This is a huge army. And yet they heard so much and they were so scared that these seasoned warriors ran like little girls. They were so scared. They took off running. They left everything behind. And you can travel a whole lot faster by horse. But they left that all. They didn't even think straight. They just took off because God had a plan. See, God was going to use all what they left behind to take care of his people. Amazing thing. Amazing thing. See, God does works in all these different ways. Then we get into verse 8. 
And here we have the four leprous men. It says, And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. That's how I know they're Baptists. No, I'm just kidding. They came and ate and drank. And then it says, And carried the silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it. And came again and then entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. What happened? They got to that first tent. And why were they there? They were there to eat. They took care of their physical. They ate. They drank. They, they, they got as much as they could. And when they were satisfied, they started thinking, we got to think about our future. Look around. There's gold. There's silver. There's expensive stuff in here. Let's take it. Let's put it away for the future. We've got to hide it. You know, put it in the bank. Go dig some hole and put it there and keep it for another time. That's what they did. They took it and put it away thinking maybe about their grandchildren and all these different things. But then they went into another tent and did the same thing in that tent. They took whatever they could get a hold of and all the valuables and they took and they went and hid it. They did it in two different tents. And they're thinking, man, this is great. We're going to have all sorts of money. We're, we're, we're saved for now. We've got food and, and all these different things. And this is wonderful. And then verse 9 comes into play. And this is the key to this passage. Verse 9 says, Then they said one to another, We do not well. We do not well. We do not well. Why? This day is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. See, what happened was, these four leprous men, what they were doing wasn't necessarily wrong keeping for the future, you know, taking advantage of what God has provided. But you see what was happening is all the things that God had provided for them. God had provided food. God had provided clothing. God had provided tents and all these, all the horses and all these different things. More they could ever use. They couldn't even use it all. God had provided so much for them. And this is great. And all the things that God, the blessings that, that God had provided, they were taking advantage of. But what was wrong is because there was still a lost and dying city that had no clue what God had already provided for them. And we are just like them. We are just like these four leprous men. Why? Because God has provided with so much gospel. We have so much gospel. We've heard it so many times. We know it. We have Bibles. We have more than one. And, and we, we've had this all of our lives. If you've grown up in church, you've, we've ingested it. We know it. And yet we do exactly like them. We do not well because we keep it from a lost and dying world that has no clue what God has already provided for them. God has already done it. It's finished. Then what's the problem? They don't know. The city didn't know that God had already provided for them. And these guys talked between themselves and said, we got to understand, this is wrong. This is wrong that we keep it to ourselves. Why? Because today is a day of good tidings. We live in a time like no other before that we can go out and share the gospel Spread the gospel all around the world, and we do not well. Why? That's what the gospel is about. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Today is the day of good tidings. Now is the time. And they understood that. And they said, and we hold our peace. One of the worst things you could ever do as a Christian is to be a silent Christian. See, God has not called us to be silent. We've never been called to be silent. In fact, to the contrary, we're supposed to go out and be witnesses. What do witnesses do? They speak up. They tell what they've seen and what they've heard. And what have we seen and what we have heard? The gospel. The good news. Jesus Christ has come. He has died. He has risen again. And he's coming back. That's the good news. 
That's the good news. And we hold our peace. But these guys realized it. Because they realized that now that they have the blessings, there comes great responsibility. See, a lot of times Christians, as Christians, we don't realize that because we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, we now have a great responsibility. We have a great responsibility. That responsibility is what they understood. Look what they said. They said, if we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. We got a responsibility. We had better get out and tell. This says, now therefore come that we may go and tell. That's all they were called to do, right? The responsibility that that was now on them was to go and tell. It wasn't to convince. It wasn't to go out and make. No, it was to go and tell. That's what God's called us to do. Go and tell every creature. That's our job. Are we getting it done? That's our job. Not to hold our peace, but to go and tell the king's household. God has called us to go and tell. See, I have had people ask me before, you know, what, what's my purpose in life? If you're a Christian, I know your purpose in life. God has a purpose for you, and that purpose is to reach the world with the gospel. That's your purpose. That's why you're still here on this earth. Because if we weren't, God would take us, right? If there was no, there was no reason for us here, God would take us. There is a reason. If you're looking for a reason in your life, it's to reach the world with the gospel. That's your reason. That's my reason for being here. It's to spread the gospel, to reach them, to tell them the good news. Go and tell. Let the Holy Spirit do the convincing. Just go and tell. That's what they did. See, they go on and tell the people, and you can read all the rest of the passage all the way down to verse 20, but they go to the king, they go to the, 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 they go to the city, they call out, they say, hey, this is what's happened. They're all gone. They're, they're gone. No one's there. Everything's there for the taking. They send out some people, and as they go out and scout it out, they see this true. It's amazing. God delivers them. They go out, and they have all the food. They have everything that they need, gold and silver and all these different things. You see amazing things happening here. But you remember that guy who didn't believe in God's word? Look at verse 17. It says, And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate. And the people trode upon him in the gate. And he died as a man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. Remember, God always keeps his promises. Every single one of them. And God said this man was going to see it, but he wasn't going to taste it. This man went down to the gate to, I guess, try to keep order or whatever it was that he was supposed to do down there. But when he got down there, he could look out and he could see God's deliverance. But the people trampled him to death. He didn't taste it. He saw, but he didn't partake. Don't be the generation of disbelief. That we may be the generation that sees God's promises for what they are and believe them, trust in them, and see God do great works. So there's a great difference between believing God can do things and believing he will do things. Believing God will do things, that's faith. There's a difference. That's faith. See, so many times we're surprised when God answers prayers, right? That's, I, we're surprised. I, I can see that by, by the way we say, and so-and-so got over it. And we're like, wow, praise God, and that's wonderful. Why are we surprised? Isn't that what we've been praying for? God will do great and marvelous things. He just wants us to believe he will. He wants us to trust in him. He wants us to, to expect him to do great and marvelous things, and he will. See, God can do things. We know that. We've seen it. But you, do you believe he will? 
we believe he will, if we put our faith in him and walk accordingly, we're going to see God do great and marvelous things in our lives. We do not well by keeping it to ourselves. May we be not the generation of disbelief, but the generation that goes and tells. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word. Lord, I thank you for this passage. Lord, I thank you for these four leprous men. Lord, I thank you how they represent so well that we need to go and tell. Lord, I pray if there's someone here this evening that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that this evening they would realize that they're a sinner, repent of their sins, and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord. Lord, I pray that for those who do know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray for the Christians that are here, Lord, I pray that you would light our hearts on fire to reach a lost and dying world with what you gave us to tell, the good news. God, I pray that we would reach out Lord God, I pray you would work in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would continue to do great and marvelous things here at this church. And we're going to give you honor and glory for it all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.